why if we want to produce cars which are battery EV 100%, why are we going to have emissions in the logistics for the components of the vehicles that we produce in that plant? Why don't we make it all carbon zero technology? I'm Emma Hancock with the Automotive News Content Studio. In the first four episodes of Driving to Zero, we've taken an exhaustive look into the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We have four more episodes coming your way in the coming weeks, but first, we're going to take a deep dive into one automaker in particular, Hyundai. The world's third largest automaker has big ambitions for sustainability, and Jose Munoz, the president and global COO of Hyundai Motor Company and CEO of Hyundai and Genesis in North America, has taken some big steps over the past few years to position the company as a leading EV manufacturer. But Hyundai's vision for a carbon-neutral future goes way beyond just EVs. They've made bold bets on hydrogen, electric air taxis, carbon sequestration, shipping and logistics, and even robotic dogs. For this special sponsored episode produced by the Automotive News Content Studio in partnership with Hyundai, Automotive News publisher Casey Crane sat down with Jose Munoz to dig into Hyundai's big vision and what the companies learned as they've worked to make it a reality. Here's Casey and Jose. Jose, we've got some time today to talk about, um, you know, what I'm considering uh, one of the fastest moving industries right now. You know it better than anybody. Uh, this industry has come a very long way in a short amount of time. Automakers are, are obsessed with uh, finding new ways to come up with carbon neutrality. Um, you know, a lot of corporate vision statements out there, making the world a better place. Um, you guys seem to have a bit more comprehensive vision around progress for humanity. How do you talk about it internally? And, and maybe you can explain a little bit of that to our audience. Well, that's a very important question because this is um, a, really one of the core reasons why we are here. So as you know, this is coming directly from our executive chair, uh, Usun Chan. He came up with, the, with this idea. Basically, uh, we are not here just to produce cars and sell cars, but um, we really want to help humanity progress and help uh, the life of human beings not only by transporting them safely from point A to point B, but also by doing it in an environmentally friendly uh, way so that we contribute to fix the global problem that humanity uh, has with the carbon emissions. And then uh, on top of that, this is something that we do with really uh, high motivation and by investing in a number of different technologies uh, well beyond what you would consider a normal uh, technology to invest today in the mobility business. Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting. Everybody's been kind of playing in the fringe, you know, focused on the car business, but playing in the fringe. And, and they've all been, and I don't want to say hobbies, but, you know, investment for investment's sake. You know, I'm lucky enough to get a little bit more of the inside picture on some of these automakers. And I think even one time I was with you out in LA and we happened to run into somebody from Boston Dynamics after you guys had made a, an investment there. Talk a little bit about how that fits into the vision and, and you know, all these things really play together. This is part of the comprehensive um, strategy, right? So we want people to have a better life. 
So when, um, when you imagine how the cars are produced in today's world in a normal factory, and you think, how could you make the lives of people working in the factory better? You may think uh, about supporting them with devices that uh, can help uh, them not only being more accurate and having uh, better quality, but also making their jobs easier. So uh, things like exoskeletons or things like safety with the famous uh, spot. These are technologies that you can do out of the Boston Dynamics company that help. So we don't do this because uh, it's nice only. Simply is improving the lives of our people and it's uh, improving the effectiveness, the efficiency of the plant and the, and the quality. And I think it uh, provides also a safety um, technologies to be uh, much better in the entire ecosystem. So this, as you know, is only one. We took control of this company back in 2021. And then uh, one year later, so last summer, August 2022, we created the Boston Dynamics AI Institute to be able to develop all the AI capabilities that can be included in uh, the, the robots uh, and devices. And we actually have the vision to be able to support uh, elderly people with uh, humanoids. So uh, think about the elderly people who uh, have to be supported. Sometimes they have no relatives or friends. And then uh, these humanoids could be uh, doing a job that most people don't want to do. So they could um, make lives of uh, these people much better. So this is one dimension. Another dimension that we have invested in a lot and we believe is uh, critical for the progress for humanity is Supernal. This is the advanced air mobility company, which is meant to go commercial by 2028 by creating uh, electric power devices that can fly to avoid uh, traffic congestion in big cities like LA uh, or uh, New York. So imagine five to six people that can be moved from, for example, Southern California, Newport to LAX without uh, going through the two hours of uh, typical traffic congestion on a Friday evening. Two hours if you're lucky. Yeah, if you're lucky, exactly. Actually, um, uh, under the leadership of um, Dr. Shin, the company has created these, uh, these plants and we are really uh, moving uh, very fast into the different stages of the company to start a commercial production, having these so-called EVTOLs, electric vertical takeoff and landing. In fact, by early September, we are going to have a, a kind of a ceremony to uh, open our uh, first R&D center for Supernal here in Irvine, California. But that's not all. There is even, even more. So Motional. Motional is a, a company where we have a 50% stake with another partner called Active where we develop autonomous driving technologies for vehicles. Today, uh, as you know, when you uh, are in the business of transportation, not only the highest cost of the, um, let's say, business is the driver, but also is the highest source of uh, potential trouble or errors or mistakes. The, uh, the machines are much more accurate. So by providing autonomous driving technology, and making it um, uh, open to not only our company, but others, 
we're going to make a better use of this technology and, and make lives uh, of people easier and help with progress for humanity. So when you're thinking about these things, and I think for a lot of people saying the word humanoids or getting comfortable with humanoids, there have been a lot of movies out there that, that depict these things. Uh, you know, I know, I know what you're working on obviously isn't that, but it's a lot closer than people think. Um, you know, you've seen these things active and I know there's a lot of companies that have been working on these for years now, you know, mostly to support people working in factories. But I think to your point, there's a lot more applications than that. You're absolutely right. And then uh, the interesting thing is that when you see these devices in action, they don't seem like, you know, the future. And actually, uh, a lot of this technology is probably utilized today uh, when we send men to the moon or when we are sending satellites to the outer space or probably for um, war applications. So we want to go beyond, but to help people normal people like you and I to uh, have a better life. So the spot, I think that's the best example that I can, that I can put out there. Uh, I don't know if this is a humanoid, uh, but a, a dogoid, right? Yeah. So it looks like a, like a pet. And then this is very intelligent pet that you can utilize for safety. Imagine everything that uh, people have gone through now, nowadays. They're talking about Fukushima. Uh, this uh, this situation that uh, took place in in Japan a few years ago, right? So, how do you get into areas which uh, you know uh, have radiation, right? And you want to inspect and you want to take action. You don't want to get people to to be under a very clear risk for their lives. Well, you have these uh, robots that are well programmed so that they know what to do depending on the on the situation. They can support you real time. Uh, you can have applications, for example, in, in mining, when you know there are some uh, poisoned uh, gases out there, and then these um, uh, robots can do the job for you. They can help you a lot. Yeah. But then when you come down to more mundane um, uh, applications, you go to a factory, right? And some of the jobs that a, a guy working in, in uh, one of the lines have to do is sometimes they need to carry weight for a while. And this is very painful. It can create some back pain uh, or some future problems, etc. Well, you can empower a human by giving him one of these uh, uh, robots. We call them exoskeleton. And then you can do a better job. You can do it uh, for longer. And then you prevent any, any problem in the, in the operator. It's really smart. The technology is incredible. Come a long way from the canary in the coal mine. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Plus, uh, at the time, the, the canary was not happy if uh, if uh, there was something wrong. <clears throat> so you needed many ca canaries. Yeah. Uh, today, <laughs> today you can utilize just uh, one one robot. One one robot. I like that. All right. So and by the way, the um, the transportation of getting five or six people from a rural area out to an urban area or vice versa. That technology is, I think you showed this at CES, right? Yes. Yes, we did. So, so maybe, maybe we should bring one of those to the Congress in Detroit when you come in September. I agree. Maybe I can get there uh, flying one of those. We, we, we've got a nice spot for you to land in front of the office. No problem. <laughs> okay. So back to cars for a minute. The world has gone crazy for electric vehicles. Uh, you and I both know that's going to be one part of the story. The, the history is yet to be written on You know the effectiveness of EVs. There are... Uh, so many barriers to entry, but you know everybody's learning a lot. 
But when, when you guys think about, you know, this kind of multi-pronged approach, hybrids, plug-in, fuel cells, um, why, why do you think some people are, are so stuck to EVs? And, you know, I have my own personal opinions around Wall Street and, and governments, but, um, you know, in your point of view, multi-pronged, why does that make so much more sense? We think there, there, is, um, there are different approaches into this, right? So some people think they are selling cars. To me, uh, I'm in the business of gaining customers. And then uh, once you gain a customer, you can keep him or keep her with you through their lifetime. And then there is no doubt that uh, today, not all the consumers have the same mindset. They have different needs. They understand the technology more or less. They have uh, personal situations. They may have one vehicle or two. And depending on this, to me, there is no doubt that um, a lot of the consumers that they feel attracted by the future technology like EV, they are still a little uh, reluctant to make the jump and get into a, a battery EV power vehicle, particularly if this is the only vehicle they have in the household. So for those consumers, having alternative uh, technologies like hybrid, or plug-in hybrid, or even fuel cell EV is safer uh, because they can start having some experience on how a battery EV uh, vehicle could look like when they are, for example, in a traffic jam, etc., where the ICE engine is not working, while they are not taking the risk in their mind to run out of uh, a gas, run out of a, a range. So I think as the infrastructure gets more and more developed, as the technology gets better with um, a longer range, and as more units in operation and more different products are available in the market, you know, those consumers are going to be uh, quite happy to jump into this. So this is why we took the decision to uh, have available all the technologies. I think some uh, companies went the uh, shortcut way, which is, okay, I'm going to get into the EVs, so why am I going to invest into hybrid or plug-in hybrids. Okay, that's fine. That's maybe a good call in the short term, but I think they're going to lose the opportunity to gain a huge market, uh, which is today the people that are not yet there. So in our case, as you know, uh, for fuel cell EV, we decided to, to launch that technology, not only to launch it, but to launch it commercially. So we have the only uh, SUV out there powered by fuel cell EV, the Nexo. But more importantly, we've realized that this technology is probably better for heavy-duty trucks or for very large SUVs. Mm -hmm. So we've done a lot of testing with the um, Exient brand, which are heavy-duty trucks in Europe. And as we speak, we are also testing this technology in the US. So we have a couple of uh, projects going on uh, in California, as the Californian government has been very eager to study and understand how does this work. But beyond that, we're thinking, hey, couldn't we develop hydrogen power logistics in our uh, new uh, meta plant in Savannah? So why, if we want to produce cars which are uh, battery EV 100%, meaning uh, zero emission, why are we going to have emissions in the logistics 
uh, for the components of the vehicles that we produce in that plant. Why don't we make it all uh, carbon zero technology? So we are exploring all, all that well beyond, you know, the, the simple business model and just trying to sell one car. So we, we have a much broader view on the mission of the company. But Jose, you bring up so many good points. And, you know, again, you know better than anybody, the, the demand for raw materials is so great. You know, just take lithium, for example. Currently, the U.S. is at pretty small market penetration with EVs. We start talking about real numbers you know, in the tens of millions of cars, everybody knows there's not going to be enough, even just lithium for for, for us to uh, be able to supply consumer demand. What are the barriers to entry? You know, you talk about hydrogen, you're testing in California. What are some of the barriers to entry that would stop hydrogen from having a bigger impact sooner? There is, um, Casey, a lot of things which uh, have happened over, uh, over the history, which is the fact that the technologies evolve and typically evolve for good, right? So the extraction technologies available today allow for some of the carbon resources to be economically viable when 20 years ago or 30 or 40 years ago were not. So I think the same is going to happen with EV and uh, with fuel cells. Lithium-ion technology is the most commonly utilized today in batteries, and we are embracing that concept. As you know, we invested in two uh, battery uh, joint venture plants, one in Savannah and the other one in Bartow, with LG and with SK on respectively. So we are learning a, a lot of that. But one of the things that we have learned is that the batteries can be reutilized. So we have some tests going on in Korea where the batteries that have already been utilized in a a battery EV vehicle can be recycled, can be utilized for other applications like energy storage or others. So the same happens with the hydrogen. There is no, no doubt in my mind that hydrogen is a great technology as long as it is created as a green technology. We call it the waste to energy. So we have a um, a test going on in Korea where we utilize waste from cities and then we transform it into hydrogen. And that hydrogen is utilized for our fuel cell trucks to do transportation. But nowadays you have other type of technologies that that can help you decarbonize. So. Uh, They call it the CCS. So basically, you capture the carbon and storage it, not in the atmosphere, but underground, so that it is not exactly green, but they call it blue, but you are not uh, generating uh, carbon emissions, right? So that's a a great, great objective. And you can utilize it, for example, for natural gas to create hydrogen out of it, etc. So all this is evolving so fast that I think the moment we start getting lower weight, a good durability, which we already have. So with Exient, we've done millions of miles with a great durability, no no issue whatsoever. So um, I think over time, call it uh, 10, 15 years, 20 years, nobody really knows. But as nobody did know, maybe uh, 15 years ago, that the EV was going to become a main mainstream uh, technology. Mm-hmm. Only in uh, July, I was going through the numbers. As you know, I love numbers, right? So in July, 
not only we achieve all-time record, which is now uh, uh, almost happening every month. I don't give it for granted. Every month is a, is a new battle. But anyway, all-time record sales for, for July, all-time record retail sales for, for July, but 20% electrified sales in the month, which is about 50% more than a year ago. But uh, take a listen to this. 10% battery EV sales double the, the sales we had a year ago. That's unbelievable. It's even higher than the average, and all these without IRA and making money. And the technology is only going to keep getting better. Absolutely. absolutely. So uh, I think we know we are on the right track. Nobody knows how long the track is, but um, we need to keep working, taking advantage of the vision of our leader, E.S. Chung, getting the resources of the company, and then having a 360-degree approach. Each business is supporting the others, and all together we have the power of the group, which is bringing uh, the progress for humanity. Everybody talks about um, end-to-end technologies, and you think about uh, refining raw materials all the way to recycling the batteries, as you just mentioned. Um, When you guys look at uh, opportunities out there, you know, are there more things that you can do to create some of those efficiencies with other companies or does it always have to be, you know, insourced? Uh, and, and I only bring that up because, um, it, you know, it seemed like such a big deal that some of the automakers had uh, agreed upon the same charging regulations. That seems like table stakes to me. You know, where, where are the big opportunities or the big wins, you know, when it comes to this end to end process? I think uh, we recently uh, made an announcement. We cooperated with another six OEMs on the IONA charging infrastructure, right? So we are very open to collaboration, to working together for the good of the industry. And then uh, <clears throat> I think that's something that um, uh, you know we can easily uh, utilize in other areas of, of the business. So working together with others, I think has a lot of uh, advantages. You are creating the industry and then you will have to compete in the industry. But I think at the moment, we have to create the industry itself, right? So uh, why, why not? Uh, we are very open-minded. We have a large group. Because of the concept of vertical integration that our group has, we constantly cooperate with other companies. So we provide services to our own brands, but we also uh, become suppliers of uh, some of our competitors, which is, uh, I think, good for the industry, is good for the group. So likewise, we're very open to uh, collaborating with other OEMs who are interested in the, in the hydrogen. For example, we think that for large SUVs, for trucks, this is a better technology than a battery EV. The batteries are very heavy, and then they limit very much your ability to have good quality mobility. So when you are in other industries like aerospace, Uh, or aviation, you know, the weight is something which is very, very important. So having light technologies is fundamental. Well, battery EV technology for something which is large is not very efficient because it's very heavy. And then because it's very heavy, you need to invest more in uh, materials which adds more weight and then you need more batteries to move more. Then you are not agile and nimble. You end up not being efficient. So this is very negative uh, circle. Yeah. So um, that's the way uh, we see this, Casey, very open. I think we are leading as a Handemore group in, in hydrogen. And let me give you some 
maybe um, nice um, uh, headline. So uh, we're gonna make um, a nice uh, announcement at CES uh, in January 2024 about hydrogen. Okay, we'll be watching, we'll be waiting. <laughs> uh, I, I've got a couple of last questions for you, Jose. And, and the first one is around something that nobody really likes to talk about. But I know your background, and so I know you like to talk about it, and it's nuclear. <laughs> when we think about all the things it takes to create energy, the way people are still creating energy too, whether it's produce cars, charge a battery, uh, create energy for a network, doesn't it make sense to kind of dust off the old playbook? I mean, the technology has come so far with nuclear energy. I know it's of interest to you. Do you think it could happen? Well, this is quite an interesting question, uh, Casey. I'm always an optimistic guy. And then I really believe the state of technology today is such that nuclear energy has a long way to go. So many years ago, I think the technology to extract the energy was good. However, in terms of safety and then the experience on a potential accidents, what they call the, the LOCA, the loss of a coolant accident, was not uh, there. But over time, following some events and enhancement of uh, technology, materials, engineering, etc., I think now they're much better technologies. So, for example, uh, today, one of the concepts that are um, uh, very much promoted are the so-called uh, SMRs, small modular reactors, which typically would have a couple of reactors of about 160 megawatts electric instead of maybe 1,000 uh, megawatts electric for a kind of a standard plant, right? Now, the advantage is that not only uh, those plants, because they are smaller, they can be built, you can get the permission much faster, but also they are much safer in a passive way. In an old, all the technology uh, plant, uh, you needed a lot of active actions to uh, get to control mode in case of an accident. So you needed an, a lot of energy, a lot of uh, power, water uh, systems, etc. Today, simply uh, through gravity, if you have a problem in, in one of these uh, new plants, they go to stable condition doing nothing. So passively, there is no accident. It's like the technologies that we have today in the, in the cars, ADAS, compared to 20 years ago, right? There was nothing. Today, you have so much technology in the vehicle that you can prevent a lot of accidents. So I'm positive. Now, is this going to be utilized in um, transportation? Well, I don't know. What I know is that hydrogen can be utilized definitely in uh, vessels for uh, uh, big transportation, also in uh, advanced air mobility. Uh, we're planning on, on doing that. And at the end of the day, when you look at the source of uh, emissions, which are not friendly with the environment, most of them, they are not in the passenger cars. Most of them, they are in the big transportation. So <clears throat> developing technologies like hydrogen are going to help fix the problem. And we in Hyundai want to be part of the solution. Jose, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for being with us today. I can't tell you how excited I am to see you in Detroit for the Congress. Oh, thank you for having me, Casey. It's always, always a real pleasure. See you very soon.